Welcome to Get It Done Entrepreneurs, where we talk with founders of companies who bet on themselves in one. My name is Rich Lebrun, and I am the founder and CEO of Lebrun Advisory Group. You can find us at rlebrun.com. Our mission is to help our clients build wealth through business ownership. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Our special guest today is Victoria Pelletier. She's managing director at Accenture and a founder of Unstoppable You. She is unstoppable and, unstoppable and dynamic, born to lead and not to be led, overcoming adversity at tra and trauma at an early age, built resilience, a trait that has remained with her throughout her life and has helped her excel at corp as a corporate executive, mentor, and leader, for which she is often characterized as dynamic and unstoppable. Her motto is to do the right thing in creating value for others, focusing on the big picture and what matters most in being accountable to stakeholders, including employees, shareholders, and our communities. It also means surrounding herself with diverse teams, skills, experience, and points of view to continually grow, adapt, and achieve desired outcomes while making it while making and leaving a positive impact, whether it be as a leader, peer, community member, friend, partner, or mother. As someone who does not subscribe to the status quo, she was always ready for new challenges. She became one of the youngest chief operating officers at the age of 24, being unstoppable, was a president by 35 and a CEO by age 41. Victoria is recognized across America as a dynamic, captivating keynote speaker, published author, and dynamic executive. Her story of overcoming unspeakable odds to live a life of no excuses is both moving and incredible, incredibly inspiring. Victoria draws from her 20 plus years in corporate senior leadership at companies such as IBM and American Express to deliver engaging, inspiring keynotes to audiences across North America. Victoria has been the recipient of many awards, such as the top 30 most influential business leaders in tech, the Women's in Technology Award, Mentor of the Year Award, and the HSBC Diversity and Inclusion Award. Victoria is one of those rare, impactful speakers who you hear once and remember. She brings her authenticity, her passion, her smarts in a way that connects, resonates, and moves the audience. She lives with her family in Miami, Florida, I believe. And with that, Victoria, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rich. I'm very happy to be here. Well, I'm excited for our conversation. I got a chance to do, listen to some of the other talks you've done, and you have a phenomenal story and a background that I think everybody's going to be tuned in to listen to. So with that said... I know you're working at Accenture, but you also started Unstoppable You. So we're going to talk about a little bit how this all that works together. But most importantly, we'd love to hear your story. You know, what, what kind of what, what was the drive behind you? I know you're a driven woman, uh, but let's talk about a little about your story and how you came to start your own company and where you are today. Absolutely. So happy to share this story. I what I will tell you, Rich, is I really embraced sharing and being much more vulnerable, probably only about 10 years ago. And you think of Simon Sinek's start with why, uh, and long before he went viral with that video, I started to lean pretty deeply into sharing my why uh, and understanding other people's, because I think it's the lived experience you need to understand in terms of how we show up, what motivates people, explaining the way that they personally show up in their lives. And so, I'd be remiss if I didn't share mine um, to explain why I've been so driven, why I've been focused on success and been fortunate to have achieved some. 
So mine starts in my youth. I am born to a drug addicted teenage mother who was exceptionally abusive to me. I went in and out of the child welfare system, uh, and I am fortunate to be one that was adopted, however, rather than remaining in the system. No longer living with abuse, but I was adopted by a family who had lower socioeconomic means. And I remember my my mom and my mom being the woman that adopted and raised me, saying to me at some point, Tori, you need to do better than us. And she meant by education, from a work or professional vocation standpoint, she was a secretary and my dad a janitor. And, and I'll tell you, Rich, she never needed to utter those words because both the biology I was born into and circumstance and socioeconomic position I was raised in made me determined to be better than both. And so that's where a lot of the work ethic and the drive comes from. So I started working at age 11, and that's not because I had food insecurity and my parents didn't have clothes on my back, but they came from Kmart. And if I wanted to have what the rest of my friends in school had, I needed to work. And so it came from that. And what I'll tell you is I realized very quickly that work was a place in which I felt I had much more control of the circumstances around me by the education or skills that I learned uh, by how I showed up from a work ethic standpoint. And I quickly got promoted. By 14, I was the assistant manager of the shoe store that I worked at. I worked at a bank while I was in university with intent to be a lawyer, interestingly, but I got promoted quickly through the organization because I kept gaining more and more skills and performing well. So what I thought was going to be a year off before I went to law school, ended up being never. I loved the work work environment. I loved the dynamics created by serving multiple shareholders and constituents between customers or clients, employees, the leaders I served. And so that's how I achieved some of those corporate successes of COO at 24 as a brand new mother and president many years later to become CEO. And I've also built and bought businesses over the years as a result of always wanting to have a side hustle, always wanting to feel like I, my, not only my career, but my financial success and comfort level was determined by me. So all of that is part of what makes me incredibly resilient, or I choose to use the word unstoppable mm -hmm. to where I am today. Because what was the, what was the voice you were hearing that's other than unstoppable? Like you were going to be a victim of your circumstances it very well could have been, you know, I reflect back on, I, my, I sign a lot of my social media posts with certainly unstoppable as one. The other is no excuses, which drives my children insane. But it, the reality is it's about having choice. And so I could have like my biological mother gone down a path of drug use, or maybe I would have been a very successful drug dealer. Who knows? I could have chosen that path, you know, or I could have chosen to, you know, you know, work just to live. Um, I, I do take great joy and passion in the work that I do. So I, I don't live to work, but I really enjoy what I'm doing. And so that was the choice that I made for myself. And I've been through 18 mergers and acquisitions in my corporate career, let alone those I supported clients with on their journeys. And those come with lots of challenge and adversity and some really difficult decisions. And so in each instance, I've made a choice to overcome the challenge or the adversity with my, my eyes it's um, set on, you know, the goal or objective that I ultimately had for myself. That is the anchor going forward. And that's allowed me to be really unstoppable. So you always see possibility where others don't. Potentially. I, 
Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't mean I'm a highly emotional in, in, individual and I'm very fast or very quick to an emotion, whether it's anger or it's sadness there, you know, I cry at humane society commercials. So, it, you know, I'm will allow myself to have an emotion and feel the pain of the real adversity or challenge, but then quickly pick myself back up and anchor onto what is ultimately the goal or objective that we're looking to accomplish, whether as an organization or for me personally. Yeah, I mean, I love Simon Sinek's, uh, you know, getting to know your why. But be, belong, that's a lot of business jargon. I think it's phenomenal, by the way. He's he's set the pace for the world. But there's also a human being behind that why. You know, and they get up in the morning and they, you know, and they have other drives that get them to their passion of building a widget or, or providing a service. So you obviously had that. You had another reason to make a difference. And I think I can only imagine the people you lead, they're inspired. Because obviously they can't raise their hand and go, I can't, right? That's probably, that's probably not a conversation you welcome too much, right? <laughs> no. You know, I, I often tell them like to manage my expectations because I do set a very high bar uh, for us to achieve and, and honor the commitments we're making to one another and to our clients. But you're, you're right, Rich. N no is not an option. No is not an option. Yeah. Good way to start a meeting. Um, okay, so let's look, look back. Okay, so let's look back over your life and start with talk about starting your business. Like you're going all the way back to age 11. Knowing what you know today, would, is there anything that you would look back and say, I would do differently? Absolutely. Uh, so there, there's a few things that I wish that my 20 something year old self knew that my now mid 40 year old self um, is quite well aware of. And some of those around, I, I talked about maintaining skills uh, and relevancy for the future. And so constantly be investing. And I think I did learn that at an early age, but my ability to as a leader to communicate that to others came a little bit later in life. The other is around personal brand. And so for a long time, you know, I defined myself by the title in the organization that I worked for, uh, but recognized at some point, particularly as I shifted into a B2B environment where, you know, I've got lots of competitors and, you know, you think about consulting or outsourcing services, why choose, you know, me or my team versus another. It's about the individual and the brand that we hold, not only as an organization, but the people they're buying from. And I now know that very much so. And brand is more than the eminence, the subject matter expertise or the industry for which you've got great expertise and experience in many years and potentially. It's about the whole person showing up and demonstrating the values that I am purpose-led, high degree of integrity, who I am as a leader and how I engage my team. And from even a client standpoint, knowing that, you know, I am their trusted partner, which is a phrase that's abused quite frankly, but I am going to show up that way. I'm going to deliver radical candor. I've said to many clients, I don't think that when I told them something unfavorable, I don't think you hired me to tell you exactly what you want to hear. Right. I'm here to take you to a better place. So developing that strong personal brand, although I have an exceptionally strong one now, I wish I would have even started that much sooner. So that would have been another. And then from a networking standpoint, I would the extrovert that sits in front of you today wasn't always so, you know, I was much more introverted and put me into a conference and setting and networking and having to do small talk was not comfortable. But I recognized the criticality of not only the organic networking that occurs, it's a very, very small world and you never know who's connected to whom, but also the strategic intentionality of whom I cho chose to sought out, whether it was for a new role or opportunity or as a new client. Those are all things I wish I knew 20 years ago. Yeah. 
Well, you're successful. Obviously, you've overcome a lot. The unstoppable uh, drive behind you has served you well. But can you think of any one or two key decisions also, if you're looking back, that was really the catalyst to your success? The One of the first ones was actually making a decision after six years working in banking and being successful and building, a, building I'll say, a strong brand, not in the way I just described it, but uh, in terms of trust and confidence in my ability to deliver for my employer to exit. I got recruited to go and be the chief operating officer for a large outsourcing organization. Uh, and that was a massive stretch role for me. Although I had many years leading contact center operations, which was ultimately what that organization was. And I had financial services experience, which were many of their clients. I didn't have HR, technology, sales, client management, all of the other functional areas that also reported to me. And so I took a bold risk. As a new mother, I think my first child was only three or four months old at that point. And so to take risk of leaving security, and we know there's no such thing truly as job security, but I felt relatively secure after many years in one organization, to be boldly going into a stretch role where I had to learn significantly and get comfortable with putting my hand up to say, I don't know what I don't know, and I'm going to have to leverage a lot of people who I believe do or hire those individuals. So that for me was one of the most critical moments for me from a career perspective in taking that risk at a time and place where, again, I, I, I was mature, but still 24 years old um, and leaning into you know areas in which I didn't have expertise. But I will tell you, Rich, that environment taught me how to lead in business. Outsourcing organizations are, you know, are, companies outsource our mess for less to other companies to save money. So learning, you know, margins are narrow, how to manage in that environment. It really taught me about how to lead in business and also to create an environment where I could build high performance amongst teams where that wasn't generally the destination role. It was a stopgap for them. So that for me is most critical in my career. Well, it was, sounds like a pivotal time. Okay, we're going to take a little commercial break. And I want to talk about Unstoppable You, because that's your, the company you founded. Uh, tell, tell us a couple of things. One is what caused you to start start that, okay? Because uh, I know you're still working in corporate America, but you have your Unstoppable You company. Tell us what that company is, who your customers are. Uh, is there something you want to promote? I know you, you have a book written, I think it's called Unstoppable, if I remember correctly. Uh, but this is your time. So take it away. You have, you know, Tell us, what, tell us what we need to know about your company and who could be a best service by your, uh, to have an advantage by your service. Thanks, Rich. I appreciate the opportunity. Unstoppable You was founded out of the fact that I have been a professional speaker for a decade and speaking publicly for probably 20 years now. And I realized the opportunity to, quite frankly, to monetize that, but also by doing something that I'm passionate about and that brings me great joy. So Unstoppable You is a platform to do keynote spe speeches or moderate events and be in front of large audiences, sharing a message of a variety of different topics. So one is certainly the inspirational, motivational story that I can share of overcoming adversity, but with the career and life lessons I've learned along the way to your question around what did I wish I'd known previously, I, I share that on a public stage. The things that I also enjoy speaking about are around leadership and culture, diversity and inclusion. My The people that hire me are typically business or conference leaders to come and motivate, inspire, and teach their audiences. And there's also a small handful of 
clients that I've been asked to work with either to provide public speaking, coaching, or training to them, or in some cases, other executives that I'll work with directly. And so that comes out of, as I said, passion and also recognizing the ability to monetize what I had originally started doing for free because I enjoyed doing it 15, 20 years ago. So somebody attends or has you come and speak at their conference, okay, on a variety of subject matters. You know, every good speaker wishes for a certain outcome, right? When, when, when the guests leave, uh, you hope they walk away with something. What do you want them to walk away with after they hear you? I want to have left them with a feeling of hope. Um, whether, and oftentimes the, my unstoppable keynote, which is a little bit what I've shared with you today around adversity and some of these lessons, I want to have a lot, my, my goal is to ultimately to have a, a the legacy I want to have is an impact, positive impact on all those that I touch or serve, whether that be in community or in business. And I want to leave them with that. I want them to feel highly motivated and inspired, but I also want to leave them with actionable insight or lessons that they can choose to take away for themselves to grow personally or professionally. Okay, perfect. Which is a perfect segue into the second part of the conversation, because even though we're at the end of the year, you know, we're going to be celebrating holidays here comes soon. It's been a long 2022. And uh, yeah, I've been in business long enough to see uh, incrementally uh, all these different headwinds, but never at a time in my life seen them all in one year. Um, so you're uh, you're working at Accenture, which obviously consults major corporations around the world. You're also speaking out there to ex different uh, corporate co corporations and trying to get them motivated and, and and led and encouraged. So let's talk about that. Do you see this time? And again, 2023, is people, certain people have projections, it's going to be still a tough year yet to come. Um, was this a time to retreat, a time to grow, time to invest, to hunker down? You know, you run away from labor problems, you run into labor problems. I mean, I can only imagine you run into you run into the burning building. <laughs> My guess is where you go. But uh, I'd love to hear how you're navigating 2022 as a leader. Okay, and maybe you also your consulting company, other executive leaders. But then there's the second part. You mentioned like the personal part. You have to get up in the morning. You have to get yourself ready on Monday morning to leave the charge. And what do you do personally? Do you have certain disciplines? Do you have mentors? Do you read certain things uh, to also get you focused uh, to lead the charge? So I'll tackle the first question, Rich, on from a leadership perspective and in business. I think. And many of the conversation I'm having with large corporate clients is about this is a time to be incredibly reflective and to reset going forward and for some to potentially pivot. And that's on a few different fronts. So there is a massive digital transformation journey. I think regardless of whether you are a stated technology company or not, we are all working for technology companies. There's an expectation to digitally transform, whether it's the products or services that we're offering to our customers. We all now expect this Amazon-like consumer-grade experience post-COVID. So mm -hmm. we're seeing a compression around the time to, to digitally transform or the use of technology to support our employees or our customers. So we're seeing massive amounts of this opportunity to reflect on how we're going to do that going forward with what is this looming recession. So that would be one. Two is 
connected to that though is how do we fund that? So there's a massive cost transformation play right now. Companies who might not have looked to outsource to reduce cost in the past or automate are now being forced to do that because they're either being impacted directly by you know the, a stall from a recessionary standpoint in terms of revenue and buying patterns, or they're trying to fund the digital transformation. And then the third piece would be around the talent transformation, the future of work. I, I, I hate the phrase because the reality is future is here. And so how do we change with the um, expectations of our employees to create more purpose-led organizations with human-centered leaders and a much more positive uh, culture? And I believe culture is the outcome. You can put a great statement on the wall, but ultimately it's about the policies, the procedures, purpose-led mission, but also the action language and behaviors of the leaders that work in those organizations. So I'm having all of those kind of conversations with corporate clients right now. And so it depends on the industry in terms of where they're tackling, although everyone's tackling the talent transformation story. Yeah. So that's, um, now on the personal side, I will tell you 2022 has been incredibly challenging for me between a, you know, planned serious back surgery for my husband at the beginning of the year to some mental health challenges with my youngest child and what that's looked like and the roller coaster to a horrific accident for myself that had me breaking three out of four of my appendages and in a wheelchair for a couple of months to the death of my father-in-law. I'm telling you, I'm ready for 2023. <laughs> but some of the things that help ground me um, when all of this adversity comes is being one surrounded by amazing people. So I don't have a lot of family or extended family at all. My family um, are twofold. One, you know, my husband and my children and two, the chosen family of the very close friends that I have around me and anchoring myself around people that are relatively drama free. Um, and, and we all support one another. And then other things. So for me, I work out six days a week. And that gym time for me is me time where, you know, I put on my AirPods and I start with, you know, the daily podcast, catch up on kind of the latest news happenings, and then switch to either podcasts like this, audiobooks, or just amazing mu music. So, you know, that that's time. And I make sure my calendar is blocked out so that no one's booking me for early morning meetings so I can get to the gym, get home, get showered, get changed and be ready to start my day. Yeah, you're juggling a lot. A lot. And, uh, and what a year for you outside of the economy and all the other things. And so it's for you to stand here with a smile and still feel like you're full, 100% full of energy to ready to go. Um, I have a couple of two questions. One is more the business side. The labor market, my theory in life is whoever wins the labor problem wins or talent, what we want to call it today, wins. Okay. Um, what are you seeing? How, how are people winning the talent? Game to get to recruiting the talent, keeping the talent. You know how are they? How are they doing it today? Are you seeing any uniquenesses out there? Are you just are you just living with more attrition? What are they doing? Uh, what I'm well, there's no silver bullet, quite um, uh, honestly, Rich. I think you know many are are looking at that, and they they tend to focus on the talent attraction recruitment side of things. 
But what they don't realize is they're losing people out the back door as quickly as they might be able to bring them in the front. And so, you know, winning, um, you know, the war on talent is much more around this human-centered leadership, which is contra to how many leaders have been focused on driving hard, the side hustle, hustle, hustle hard, and performance focused. Now it's about creating purpose-led organizations and ensuring that leaders can work with employees to understand how they personally can impact that. So bringing it down to, we all want to feel like we contribute to the success of an organization, whether it's obviously ours as founder or CEO, but when working in large corporate, you know, around how we're contributing, how we do we deliver impact, but also as leaders, understanding that we need to create flexibility that, you know, those that are demanding you know, a return to full-time physical in-person work, which there's um, exceptions, of course, if you're in manufacturing or if you need to be, you know, in retail physically, but I'm talking about the jobs where there's an opportunity to create flexibility in um, hybrid work environments and uh, more flexibility in terms of how and when the work gets done. I've had a saying for many, many years, there are no schedules, there's just deliverables. And so you didn't have to ask me for permission to whether it's take an aged parent to a doctor's appointment or a child to their sporting event. As long as we fulfilled our, our commitment and to the deliverables we have to one another and to our clients, if you needed to leave at three o'clock to do that and hop back on after dinner, there's no problem. That's now the expectation and how em employees want to work. And so finding this more human-centered heart approach to leadership and it doesn't mean there, there's a trade-off for performance. In fact, I think it drives greater productivity, performance, and engagement overall. Yeah, it's, it's really the word trust is right in the middle of all that. You know, the leaders have to learn how to trust more that a company can run with employees that are not sitting at the desk in front of you and just trust that that can happen. And the employee needs to be, you know, has to trust the leadership of the company can count on you. So it's definitely uh, definitely new new territory. And those who can figure this thing out and spend time, I think they win. At the end of the day, because that's it is a talent pool. Okay, so the other thing is, I have more more personal. What are you teaching your kids? I mean, they got a mom who's just on fire. Okay, so uh, what are you teaching your kids about staying? You know, being a leader in the world or facing things that they face at the age the ages they face. So. I um I've really tried to teach my children the value of hard work and appreciation for the dollar. And that's, I, I had to learn, I am self-made and uh, my children were born into, um, you know, a, a home where they didn't need to worry. Uh, we went on vacations and those sorts of things. And so th they probably hate me for it. My, my, my older one is joked with me over the fact, he's like, why did you make me get a job as a teenager? And I'm like, well, first of all, buddy, I didn't make you get a job, but I, you know, made sure that you had all of the basics and anything above and beyond that, I want you to understand, again, the value of hard work in a dollar. But ultimately, and I, I, I think, Rich, it's actually created some challenge for them. I, I you know, won these awards, some of which you, you shared in my bio initially. And I think it's created the anxiety for them to feel like they need to achieve a level of success. And I've said to them, ultimately, my goal as a parent has been to raise two very good humans. And so that's all I can ask, you know, for you to be kind and good to one another. 
your definition of success will be something I said, you will define, you can afford the lifestyle that you want, but ultimate, and if you choose to be partnered, great. Although I have told them one, if not both of them needs to make me a grandmother at some point, I'm too, I'm too young for that now. Uh, but, but really that's what I've tried to instill in them being doing what is right and achieving success is going to be based upon their definition. And ultimately, I want to be proud because they're two amazing individuals who are kind and caring and supporting those around them. Nice. Very nice. Okay. We're going to wrap up a couple of things. Audiences are, my audience is people who are executive, executives in corporate America thinking about maybe they want to jump out and time to be their own entrepreneur, be their own boss. Uh, and then people already own companies are thinking, maybe, maybe I should expand. Maybe I should take advantage of this challenging time and add additional revenue stream. What would you say to those folks? Well, I think there's a great opportunity. Find um, you know, a market. Don't leverage, however, what you have learned within corporate America in terms of how do you grow um, you know, from big to bigger with an environment. It's a very different mindset. And so you're not competing. You're finding a new market um, rather than competing against them. But also I would say, you know, do work that not only has a market, but ideally that you're passionate about that brings you great joy because there's a significant amount of effort that goes into that. So figure out how to balance that. There's this, you know, the Japanese concept, ikigai, around, you know, the skills and experience that you have versus what you can get paid to do versus what you enjoy doing and how to marry all of that together. Yeah, very good. Victoria, how can our listeners get in touch with you? Should they uh, want to retain your services and do business with you? What's the best way for them to do that? I have a website, which is victoria-peltier.com, and you can find information about my keynote talks. My book is there. All of the writing that I do regularly and media appearances are there. So best way to find me, victoria-peltier.com. Very good. Well, Victoria, thank you for taking time out of your busy day. Very inspiring talk. I mean, I'd love to go to one of your conferences where we have spent a lot more time than we have here. But thanks for giving us the highlights. I wish you a very wonderful Christmas and for you and your family. Again, thank you on behalf of my listeners for taking time to be on the show. Thanks, Rich. Happy to be here. Rich LeBron here. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Get It Done Entrepreneurs. If you are a successful business owner who would like to be on this program, please visit us at rlebrun.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form and we will reach out to you. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show. Include the hashtag get it done entrepreneurs. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, rlebrun.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.